This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, now Matthew chapter 15, verse 39, going through. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came unto the coast of Magdala. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it's evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering or threatening. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not concern, discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Okay, so now as we come into this chapter 16, we're at the point where the Lord has gone up on the side of a mountain, and that's where he's been, and he's been followed by a multitude, large crowd, and they brought to him all of their, everyone they could find that was lame and blind and dumb and maimed and, and any other kind of diseased people, they brought it to him. He's healed them all. It's taken a long time. It's taken three days to get through them all, to get them all healed. And now he's at the point where he has compassion on all these people that have brought them and the sick, and he refuses to send them away without food without eating. So he feeds them this great miracle of multiplying seven loaves, a few fishes, and, and, and just counting the men, just the men that ate. There were 4,000. And now he's left the mountainside. He's come into this region called Magdala. So if you look at the Lake of Galilee, it looks like a harp. It sticks out this way toward the Mediterranean, goes back down, comes up this way. And so he's over on the, on the corner there. He's over on the corner under the region which is closest to Mediterranean. That's where he is. And now here come his opponents in Matthew 16, 1, Matthew verse 1. 
The Pharisees also and the Sadducees came tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. So it's surprising when you look at this and you look at two words there in that verse, it's the words also with. That's kind of surprising to see the Pharisees and the Sadducees together because these were two distinct Jewish groups who normally were at odds with each other. You know, they prided themselves in arguing with the other group. Just like the saying goes, when you have three, when you have two Jews, you have three opinions. And so really, when you look at the Talmud, it's really an, it's an exchange of people arguing with each other. This one says that, and that rabbi says this, and this rabbi says the other rabbi's wrong, and so forth. And you see this, for example, in Acts 23, 7, Acts 23, 7, where it says, when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. So, even today, among the religious Jews, there are so many different opinions, especially in the religious sectors of Israel today. I mean, some wear black hats, others wear these tall European fur hats, doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees out, they're wearing them, some with the dangling long sideburns, and they're very firm about all this. It reminds me of the time when, when one Orthodox group wanted to find out about another Orthodox Jewish group, so they chose a person to be a spy and to go and find out what are they doing, you know. And so this they sent this into this group, and he, he says, you know, oh, I'm part of your group, but I come from a far away. And the deception worked. He was dressed perfectly, except for one detail. He hadn't tied his shoes in the way that that group tied their shoes, and he was outed, and they beat him, almost killed him. But among the Jews, for all of their differences between each other, they are absolutely unanimous without question on one subject, Jesus Christ. There is not a Jewish group that is not opposed to Jesus Christ. There's not a Jewish group that does not despise Jesus' group. I'm, I'm, I've told you this before, I'll never get over it, that after one year of filling out all of my applications and my, 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 my documents for getting citizenship to make Aliyah to become citizen in Israel under the law uh, the, of return that was enacted in the year I was born in 1950, and the application all came down in the end to one interview with the Jewish agency to confirm that I was Jewish. It didn't matter that both my mother and father were Jewish and that I was raised Jewish. It all came down to this one question, do you believe Jesus Christ is God or the Son of God? And my answer to that question finished the whole process with the statement, citizenship under the right of return is not available to you. What a surprise. I could be a Buddhist Jew. I could be an atheist Jew. I could be a Hindu Jew but not a Jew that believes in Jesus. And as a matter of fact, you might say that this opposition to Jesus is really what unites Jews as a whole. And so now they come to the Lord Jesus with their intention and their request. They're stripped away their intention. In verse 1, they were tempting him, desired him that he would show them a sign. It wasn't sincerity on their part. They weren't sincere in their request. They're not really ready. They're not like that. They're ready to believe. Just tell us this. They were tempting him. They were pretending 
that they were sincere seekers of the truth if he really was the Messiah, if he really was God. I mean, when you look at them, there's such a contrasting difference between these Sadducees, the major group of the religious Jews there, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and Nicodemus, who's one of them. In John 3.2, John 3.2, where it says the same Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do those miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He's not tempting him. He's telling him sincerely. I mean, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they came in the daytime openly. Nicodemus, he comes at night secretly because he's a secretly breaking rank with the Jews. The other group, they came and they didn't know if he was a teacher come from God, but Nicodemus says, we know you're a teacher come from God. I mean, they, in the past, the other group, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they attributed his miracles to being in league with Satan. Whereas Nicodemus says, no, your miracles are because God is with you. And the other, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they came, they want more signs, more wonders, more, more miracles. We want to see this. Where Nicodemus, he said, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. I don't need to see more miracles. I'm convinced from what I've seen. So now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're coming with asking for a specific sign. They say, we want to see a sign from heaven. I don't know what they were looking for. Man, with thunder, lightning, voices, whatever. But what about all those signs that they had seen? How about the curing, the sign of curing the sick? How about the sign of casting out demons? How about the sign of cleansing leprosy? How about the sign of freeing daughters from Satan's tyranny? Step of stopping lethal flows of blood, of raising the dead. And how about all those? They didn't care about those. Those, they didn't care. They wanted a sign of their choosing. They're asking for the magician to perform at their command. And so all the miracles that they've seen, that wasn't enough. And they need another one. There's a, there was a, reminds us of the man in hell who asked Abraham for a sign of a person who could just return from the dead, that would surely convince his brothers so that they wouldn't end up in hell. So the man is saying that all his brothers had available is not enough, and we just need one more sign. And Abraham responded to that request in Luke 16, 31. Luke 16, 31, and Abraham said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. What Abraham said was that there, there's such a power in the word of God, in Moses and the prophets, that that's all they need. That's all they, they'd be convinced if they would just surrender their lives to God and let the Bible come into their hearts and the Bible will do its work. You know, it reminds me of a lift ride that I had yesterday and I got in the car and I I started talking with the driver, and he told me, oh, he, was, he, said, he said, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I love Christ, he was telling me. But from his mannerisms, I, I asked him, I said, are you gay? And, uh, and he said he was. And I, and I told him, well, you know, you have to leave that sin in order to come to God. And then he told me, he says, but it feels so good. I look so loved by my male lovers. They says, I, I feel good inside about this. And I explained to him, I said, it doesn't matter how you feel. So you, you can't rely on your feelings. 
you have to rely on your mind that engages with the Bible, because when we get into the Bible, the Bible gets into us. And when the Bible gets into us, God works. As it says, it's the Lord that works in us both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Just like it says in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Romans 12, 1 and 2 speaks about surrender, submission, and then the mind. It says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present or surrender your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed unto this world, but be, tra but be transformed by the union of your mind. Renew your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible renews the mind. And then he told me, he said, it's so hard for me. It's so hard to leave his male lovers. And I told him, it's not just hard for you. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to leave that sin without the help of God. Like when a moray eel locks on. You can't get that moray eel off unless someone comes and breaks the jaws of the moray eel and sins like the moray eel. And God is the only one who can break the jaws and release its grip. Reminds me of a, of a, of a 10 week summer course, the summer school I went to in Colorado called Colorado Rocky Mountain School in Aspen, near Aspen, Carbondale. Anyway, I was 15 years old and part of our training at the school was we had to climb a different mountain every weekend. And the first one that we climbed was 10,000 feet. And I begged them to send the helicopter to take me down. I said, this is, this, is no, this is no place for a Jewish boy. I tried to explain to them I was the only Jewish boy there. But we got better. And for a climax, we climbed at the end Mount Castle, which is 14,279 feet, which is the highest mountain in the Elk Mountains. And when, on our final ascent, as we were going up this we were on a ridge, and on one hand of the ridge was a sheer cliff, a thousand feet drop. And the other, and, and so if you fell, you were going to die. And on the other side, on our left, was a thousand foot snow bowl. It was all snow. It was August. It was all snow, full of snow, the snow bowl. And we were almost to the top of the ridge when we had in our group a Mexican named Diego, and poor Diego lost his balance. So he's there, he's, we're holding our breath, he's sort of teetering there, and, and, but he manages to fall to the left, and he slid on his back all the way down that thousand-foot snowball. And we yelled to Diego, we said, Diego, we'll wait for you, come back. He said, no, no, no. <laughs> he said, I'm not going back up there. And then our Swiss leader, he was taking us along, he tied a rope to himself and tied us all together, so that if one of us would fall, he'd keep us from falling. So that's such symbolic. That's such symbolic. Because, um, we're like the feelings, and the Swiss guy there, he's like, the, he's like the word of God, the mind. He's like the mind. Where the feelings is the mind. Feelings can fall, but mind will pull back up when it's renewed by the will of God. And there's such power in the word of God, which is why Abraham said, in Luke 16:31, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So these Pharisees and Sadducees, they had Moses and the prophets. They had the word of God. And that was enough for them to convince them 
of the messiahship and deity of Jesus. But, but they persisted. They wanted this proof. Proof. It's all about proof. They wanted a sign from heaven. You know, like, like on Mount Sinai, where the law was given, where the Torah was given. They were, and, but they were doing this to tempt him. They didn't want to be taught by him. They wanted to tempt him. They, they were doing this to trap him. Trap him. And if he would have shown them, if he would have done it, if he would have shown them a, a sign from heaven, a proof from heaven, then they would have said, oh, well, that, that's Matthew 12, 24. Matthew 12, 24. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. So they ask him for a sign. They're pretending to want to know, look for the true proof, but they really don't. And so, but the Lord graciously gives them an answer in verses two to three. He gives them an answer. He says, he answered and said unto them, when it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather, the sky is red. In the morning, it'll be foul weather, the sky is red and lowering, threatening. He says, oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky but can you not discern the signs of the, of the times? So the Lord points them to a common practice of predicting the weather, foretelling the weather, telling the weather, know what the weather is going to be. So important, so important. When you got to know the weather when you want to plant seeds so your seed doesn't get washed away. You got to know the weather when you're taking care of livestock. You got to know when you got to take them into the barns so they don't get caught out in the storm. And especially when you're going to see. You're going to set out on a lake for fishing. You got another witness. You don't drown out there. It reminds me of a time when, when Joshua, my son Joshua, and I went out fishing in Loretto, on the east side of the of the, the Big Island, Carmen, and we knew a storm was coming in the afternoon, but we thought we could get back before that. You know, so we could go in the morning, get back before that, and so we started back and. The island kind of blocks the wind. So we got around that corner to the west side of the island. Oh, man, we caught that storm. And I'm not kidding you. Those waves were nine feet tall. And they would crash over the boat. And I thought, well, there goes my cell phone, you know, soaking wet. At one point, we hit a wave, and I went flying. I thought for sure I was going to land in the water, land in the boat. But um, there have been boats that have set out from Loretto, fishing boats, never came back. Never came back. Very, very dangerous. And we're in a hurricane zone down there in Loretto, and it takes a whole day just to put up the hurricane screens, the metal screens, uh, curtains on all the doors and the windows. So it's important to respect the indicators of a storm. So looking at a sky is common practice to predict. And so the Lord is telling them, think about how you use certain indicators in the sky to predict the weather. I mean, if farmers lost seed because they planted before a storm, or if ranchers lost livestock because they didn't bring them in before a storm, or fishermen drowned because they went out before a storm, all those tragedies were not necessary. And it was not necessary to lose that seed. It wasn't necessary to lose that livestock, and it wasn't necessary to lose those lives because all of those would have happened for one reason. They did not know. They did not know that the storm was coming. They did not know that the storm was coming before they planted. They did not know that the storm was coming before they let the livestock out. 
They did not know the storm was coming before they went out to see it. All boiled down to they did not know. Because if they knew, they wouldn't have planted the seed. If they knew, they wouldn't have let their livestock out. If they knew, they wouldn't have gone out to see. And after the loss of seed, the, the farmer would say, I didn't know. I didn't know. After the loss of livestock, the rancher says, I didn't know. After the loss of lives, the family of the fishermen said, they didn't know. They didn't know. Those are the words that the Lord Jesus used to state the tragedy of someone who wins in hell. In Luke 19.44, Luke 19.44, he said, They'll lay thee even with the ground, thy children within thee. They shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. And how do you think the Lord was saying that? When In verse 3, getting back to verse 3 here, chapter 16. When he says, can you not discern the signs of the time? How do you think his voice was? How do you think it sounded when he said that? You think he said it with a nonchalant, I don't care, you're either part of the elect or you're not elect, so who cares, an attitude of apathy, like, ah, can you not discern the signs of the time? You think he said it like that? No. Well, you think he said it with maybe an anger in his voice, he's angry, like, you should have known attitude, like, can you not discern the signs of the time? What's the matter with you? You think he said it like that? Or do you think maybe there was no apathy in his voice? There was no anger in his voice. There was, there was an agony, a gut-wrenching sadness. There was a oh-no attitude in his voice, a, a longing. Can you not discern the signs of the time? See, this, this yearning of the Lord, this is, the, this is who the Lord is. The Lord, the Lord is the Lord with a broken heart. He's a broken heart. He sees, he sees all that he has done to lead them out of danger, of the danger of dying in their sins, of facing an eternal punishment in hell, and all that he's done to lead them to safety, and he yearningly calls out, like he did in Luke 1942, Luke 1942, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things that belong unto thy peace, but now they're hid from thy sight. They're hid from thine eyes. You know, in the Bible, there's a series of O verses. O verses in the Bible, you know. O verses, you can say, you want to put a little Jewish slant on it, you could say there's a series of Oive verses where God is just exasperated over Israel, where God is beside himself, where God is filled with an anxiety over Israel. These verses like Deuteronomy 5.29, Deuteronomy 5.29, where God says, oh, that there was such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. This is God saying, oh, they, that there was such a heart in them, Enough with all the holocausts and all the catastrophes. And, or, or Deuteronomy 32.29. Deuteronomy 32.29. Where it says, oh, that they were wise. That they understood this. That they would consider their latter end. This is God saying, oh, if they would just sit down and ask themselves the question, what's going to happen to me after I die? Where am I going to be? Where will I be for eternity? Am I going to be in heaven or am I going to be in hell? Am I going to be with Hitler? 
What's my latter end after death? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.